are listening to The Ron Van Dam Show, refined entertainment for a sophisticated audience who sometimes enjoy a good fart joke. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's The Ron Van Dam Show. All right, what do you want now? Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. You interrupted me, I was taking a shower. Interestingly enough, uh, the first four letters of the word shower spell show. Ooh, what does that mean? It's a coincidence? I don't think so. Thanks for dropping by anyway. Uh, <laughs> if, if this was your intent, then uh, yeah, you've got the right place. You know, you've heard of butt dialing where people, uh, you know, dial the phone, they get the wrong number, or they didn't, they didn't know they were dialing the phone because they were sitting on their phone with their butt. I don't know. This is very similar. This is like butt listening. Welcome to the program that is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend kind of deal. Uh, this should last you through the weekend in case you need a fix. Uh, we'll be back Monday with a new show, but right now you're going to have to deal with this one. I haven't even done it yet and you're already complaining. <laughs> I don't even know if it's Friday or Monday or whatever. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I just... Um, my brain cells have decided to uh, jump off the cliff, apparently, and, you know, as you get older, you lose brain cells. I know there's things over the counter in drugstores that can try to, to they don't restore your brain cells, they kind of like stop them from deteriorating. I don't know if that stuff works or not. The point is, hey, you know, My brain used to be incredible. Oh, I used to have quite a brain. I could retain information like there was no tomorrow. But there was a tomorrow. And I retained information like crazy. Now my capacity, uh, because of the uh, the falling brain cells, the capacity is lower. It's like when you go into a restaurant and there's a sign on the, on the wall that says uh, uh, maximum uh, occupancy, uh, 365 people. Uh, that's the same with my brain cell count. Um, my occupancy now is down to six, I think. That's whatever. Whatever. You live with what you got, you got what you don't live with. That makes no sense. Anyway, uh, welcome. I thought I would do something rather topical today, since there are a couple of news items which I wish to comment upon. If you want to respond to me, that's not happening, because there's no way to do that. I do have an email, but I don't check it. So what's the point? It's like having a cell phone and never turning it on. Similar. Do you ever call anybody uh, and they, they had it like an answering uh, service thing, you know, an answer? You know, oh, I'm not home right now, but if you leave a message, I'll be sure to call you back at my earliest opportunity, which is like 10 years from now. Uh, sometimes when you want to leave a message, there's a recording that says, I'm sorry, but uh, the person whom you're trying to reach, their mailbox is full. Ooh, 
that's irresponsible. <laughs> it's, that's like, um, I know you want to leave a message. I don't even care. I don't even care. You can't even leave a message, idiot. That's what it's saying to me. Check your messages. Oh, God. God, check your messages. Have some responsibility in life. You don't have to talk to people. Just check your messages. You know, it's not talking to them. That's just checking your messages. Do it. Do it now. I'll wait. Tell you what. You check your messages. I'll go finish my shower. No, that doesn't work like that, does it? Here are a couple of things I want to talk about today. First, uh, big in the news, although in the long run, it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. Uh, but everybody's fascinated by this. Alec Baldwin, as you know, the actor, uh, he was doing a uh, producing a movie called Rust, Rustic or Rust, I have no idea, in New Mexico. And I think you know the backstory by now. If you don't, then uh, you know why even, why even bother? Uh, apparently, uh, it's a Western, and uh, he was, you know, they used prop guns, and he was given a prop gun, and they apparently told him, oh, don't worry, you know, there's no bullets in it. And um, he pointed the gun at the uh, at the cinematographer, uh, you know, for like an action shot, you know, and there was a bullet, and Baldwin did pull the trigger, and apparently uh, shot, uh, and she died, cinematographer. Uh, so Baldwin is... Uh, actually being criminally uh, charged uh, for not murder, but manslaughter. That means it wasn't premeditated, certainly not, who knows, but no. Um, but manslaughter because you cost a person their lives by what you did. Big controversy because he's an actor, producer, actor. He's the one that pulled the trigger. He was told that the gun was cold. That means that there were no, there was no live ammunition in it. Hard to say, easy to think about. There was no live ammunition in it. How did a live bullet or a bullet at all uh, get onto the set on, on a movie set? Nobody knows that yet. Uh, it's just um, there's a lot of questions. This could be um, a big trial that comes up. He'll be a, uh, apparently there'll be a grand jury toward the end of this month, toward the end of January. And then, uh, you know, if the courts decide, yeah, this is worth uh, doing, um, then Baldwin is up for manslaughter. I'm not sure what the penalties are, but I'm sure they're not wonderful. Um, Alec Baldwin is claiming total um, that he's not guilty at all. He was handed the gun. He was told that the gun was, uh, was not live. Point is, as everybody says, you never point a gun at anybody ever unless you're doing a movie. But even then, you're not supposed to. New Mexico has very strict rules uh, about that and laws about that. So Baldwin's screwed in a sense. So if he goes to trial, it'll be someone like the Johnny Depp trial, where you have a famous person on trial for something that they claim they didn't do. Uh, or, uh, well, he did. He did. He did shoot the gun, uh, although Baldwin at first claimed, no, I didn't pull the trigger. They checked it out. He did. Uh, so that's, you know, a little sketchy. Uh, but, you know, hey, the man behind the gun. I mean, what are you going to do? 
but he was also a producer. And apparently there were a lot of things going on on that movie set when they were filming that was uh, very cheap, uh, low budget, uh, cut in corners, um, inexperienced uh, people working on the film, on the crew, that kind of thing. So that'll be interesting. I, I People are pretty much split. Some people think um, Baldwin is guilty for what happened. Other people say he's an actor. He was handed a gun. He was told it was it was empty. What are you supposed to do? Is the actor supposed to check the gun every time uh, he or she points it at uh, somebody? Well, yeah, kind of they are. But, uh, I mean, they're actors. They're not, you know, ballistic specialists necessarily. Uh Another one of the gun stories, right, huh? You never point a gun at anybody. You know, in these days, I mean, I've, I go to the movies and uh, I see guns being pointed at people's faces all the time. You know, like threatening somebody with a gun, like shoving it in their chest or putting it uh, near their face or... or or, or, or you know, like a James Bond movie or one of those action movies where they're all shooting each other. Most of that is done with CGI. CGI is a a chemical that uh, is uh, induced uh, into chickens so that the chicken tastes better. No, CGI is uh, is a digital uh, creativity. You know, you don't. In other words, you you pull a trigger on a on a gun, or it's not even a gun. It's and it makes a sound like a gun, and then there's an explosion of blood and stuff. It's all uh, added in. It does not didn't really happen. A lot of movies shoot that way. Uh, I don't know. So that's that's a big thing, man. That's a big thing. There's a lot of strange things going on. That's one of them. Here's the other one, the one that does affect us. And that's a man supposedly named George Santos. He's a Republican out of New York, out of the Long Island District. Uh, he was voted into Congress recently, as you probably know. However, George Santos apparently not only embellished uh, his background and his resume and uh, the stuff he said in front of uh, voters in order to get them to vote for him, not only is it embellished, he freaking made it up. Uh, Embellishment um, is when you have something and you make it a little bit grander than what it is. Lying is it's never happened before. It just didn't happen. There's nothing to embellish. Didn't even happen. Uh, some of what he lied about is is incredible, about his mother dying uh, in 9-11, the World Trade Center. She wasn't even in the country. Uh, my God, uh, incredible things. Uh, now he's possibly a, a, a dancer in Brazil, a drag queen. He lied about his education, his jobs, everything. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you something, man. I, I don't understand why the people of Long Island, I mean, if it does bother them, and it's, it's their district, whatever. I mean, I would, I would write a letter and say, hey, I voted for the guy based on uh, false information. I want to I wanna redo, a redo. Let's do it again. Santos claims I didn't lie about anything. Uh, maybe, you know. He even said he was Jewish, and uh, then Santos said, well, I'm not Jew- Jewish, I'm Jew-ish. Uh, come on, oh my God. 
The world is a strange place to live, ladies and gentlemen, but that's our address. So that's about it, you know. All right. Um, yesterday in the mail, I get these things all the time. If I get them in the mail, I know you get them in the mail. This, uh, I have complained about this so many times on this program. I assume this bothers you as well. Uh, I had uh, the March of Dimes as a guest on the show like five years ago. They were talking about what they do. Lovely organization, obviously. Only they send me uh, every week, at at, at least once a month, now almost every week, they're sending me money in the mail. They're sending me like five dimes, scotch taped to a letter inside of an envelope asking me to donate to the March of Dimes. I did it once. Now they won't leave me alone. I'm being stalked by charities, literally stalked by them. They will not leave me alone. They actually want me to set up an account where they can just take money out of my checking account once a month as a donation, or they can send me a bill. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is not something. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you do? Stop bothering me. When your charity turns into a stalking mechanism, your charity don't look too good anymore. And the March of Dimes are pissing me off. I'm sure they do wonderful work. Stop bothering me. Bother the people that didn't didn't donate. Stop bothering me. I did donate. Leave me alone. (sighs) Sending me money in the mail, uh, sending me five dimes, there is a purpose behind it. It's quite obvious. There's no other way around explaining this. They're trying to make me feel guilty. They're trying to make me donate by manipulating me and making me feel guilty. Leave me alone. If I want to donate to your charity, I will. Don't start making me feel certain ways. If they didn't send me five dimes every month at least, they would have enough money to cure cancer. I mean, stop sending me money. So I did an interview about five years ago with one of the people from the March of Dimes, one of the head honchos over there. And I said to them in the interview, I don't believe I ever aired it because I was just, I was not fair. I was just so, I can't do a good interview if I'm really perturbed about something. I said to the, uh, to the guy, I said, why are you sending me money in the mail when you want me to send money to you? Why don't you just not send me the dimes and consider that a donation for me, which I never made? In other words, if you want to collect money, stop sending money out. I said, do you actually think that that works? And here was the response. The response was, actually, Ron, they called me Ron, actually, Ron, It's a very effective campaign. They called it a campaign, by the way. Not manipulation. Campaign was a campaign. It's a very effective campaign, he said. He said, when we do that, we get uh, donations 
that are tenfold of what we send out. So it is worth it to us. And my response was, so, um, so you're, you're getting donations by guilt? And he said, well, I'll repeat um, that. And we started to get into a little like tiff, you know, like a, like a very proper, sophisticated tiff. Kept saying, "Well, it's it, it it works, Ron. It's been it's been a very successful campaign for us." <laughs> right? And then, of course, I didn't say what I wanted to say, which was, "Well, then leave me the fuck alone and stop sending me this stuff." Do I feel guilty about taking the dimes that they're sending me and uh, buying stuff? Yeah, I don't do that. Should I be sending the money back? No, no. That's an effort on my part. I didn't do anything to start this. Stop sending people money in the mail in order to make them feel guilty so that they send you more money back. It's just stupid. Now there's a new one on my ass. March of Dimes continues to bother me. Here's another one now. This is the National Children's Cancer Society. Oh boy. I mean, yeah, that's horrible. It's a horrible They've, they've done this. Now, they sent me four quarters yesterday in the mail, glued to a, uh, a letter about their mission, asking me to donate. Okay, why did you send me four quarters? Obviously, because you think that the March of Dimes campaign works, so now you're doing this. Stop sending money out to people in order to make them send money to you. It's, it's, it's a stupid way of doing it, and it's pissing me off. The National Children's Cancer Society sounds worthy, but I'm not donating to you because you've screwed up the whole process. I'll tell you a story that I've told on the air before, which is absolutely true. I wouldn't tell you something that wasn't true in my, in my belief. Uh, I, I had a, uh, a studio in a, a particular city in Massachusetts. Very, very beautiful studio. I loved the place. I was on the second floor. Massive, massive studio uh, for uh, video and, and, and radio. It was wonderful. But underneath me, um, on the floor underneath me, I was on the second floor, and the first floor was a telemarketing company. And uh, they were a bunch of, oh, what's the term? Sleazeballs? Is that? Yeah, they were sleazeballs. Um, they, they chain smoked. I know that because they always stood outside smoking all day. They were lewd um, and, uh, you know, disgusting. And I even caught one of the telemarketers uh, standing uh, behind the building peeing on a tree. I mean, you know, uh, come on. Come on. But didn't bother me because they were on the first floor. I was on the second and I had a separate entrance. So, no, you know, the, never the twain shall meet, whatever that means. I don't know if that refers to Mark Twain or Shania Twain. I, I don't know which, but the word Twain was in it. Anyway, um, so one day I'm sitting at my desk uh, in the studio. Phone rings. I pick up the phone. This is what you do when the phone rings. 
those were the days when they had actual phones. <laughs> Desk phones. I don't know if you kids are familiar with the term. So I pick up the phone and said, hello. And uh, they said, yes, uh, we're with the something. I think it was a local fire department or something. And uh, we're doing our annual collection. Or no, it was, yeah, it was the, the police relief something. I don't know. Um, so we're doing our, our annual fund drive. And um, uh, we're, uh, we're asking for your donation. Uh, can we stop by and pick up a check? And I said, well, you know, I, I'd like to donate directly. If I'm interested in doing it, I'll run by the police station, fire station. I'll give them a check. You know, no, no need to do this. And they said, uh, well, this is uh, Mr. Van Dam. Let me tell you about this. This is uh, for the, the, uh, the fighters, the people who protect you day and night in your communities. And as, as this person is giving me this donation sales pitch, I'm, uh, and I'm on the phone, I, I'm kind of hearing the sales pitch uh, coming like from like God, you know, it was like coming from the the, the room, and then I realized, no, someone, it, this is coming from the, the 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 telemarketers downstairs, and I realized, oh my God, it's the people downstairs calling me, posing as a police officer, because I asked, and they identified themselves. As police, they were not. Um, I, I, <laughs> I pretty much said, uh, excuse me, uh, this is Ron upstairs. Uh, you're calling upstairs. And oh, 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 my goodness, oh, my goodness, okay. And they hung up. Comes to find out this particular telemarketing firm is keeping 70% of whatever is being donated. That's the telemarketing fee. 30% of what's being donated goes to the actual charity. <sighs> oh my God, that's a high percentage. Because when I donate to something, my belief is always that every penny that I'm donating is going to that charity. I mean, if I'm feeding the starving children, I mean, I think I'm actually buying a meal for them, but I'm not. Only a small percentage of my donation goes to the actual cause. Sometimes it actually goes to the administration of the actual cause so that they can run their administration and staff. It doesn't even go to the starving child, if that's the charity that it is. Uh, and I, I've said this on a few shows ago, whenever I, uh, I'm watching TV and they go to a commercial, I'm watching a show, they go to a commercial and it's Melissa Manchester singing a sad dog song in the background that makes you cry. And then on the screen are, are pictures of sick dogs and puppies, emaciated, looking like they're on their puppy deathbed. I mean, I, I, I will not watch that. I will change the channel and so much for watching that show. I do the same thing for other commercials that bring me down. The ones where they have the starving children. I know there are starving children. I get that. I get it. I don't need to see them. I mean, what are you trying to do? You're trying to tug at my heartstrings and manipulate me so that I give you money. 
To that I say, leave me the hell alone. Some people may be into that shit. I'm not. Uh, I tell you, charities, if you're listening to the show, um, when you uh, stalk people for money, and I use the term stalk because that's what you're doing, you're bombarding them. When you do that, uh, your charity, as far as I'm concerned, shall suffer because I shall never donate to you. As a matter of fact, uh, you'll, you'll be blocked. I'm blocking your emails. I'm blocking your calls. Junk mail, I don't even open your envelope. I just throw that right in the trash immediately. And that's the effect you have on me when you harass me. Don't harass me. There's ways to have me donate without harassing me and manipulating me. Do you feel the same way? I don't even know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I don't, do I have time for a guest? All right, I do. All right, we're going to take a short commercial break and when we come back, uh, our guest apparently will be joining us. But first, there's something you, you should really listen to. Hey, this is Bobby Marone, former heavyweight contender. But I hung up my boxing gloves to open the area's favorite new restaurant. Um, yeah, it's headshots, Bobby. Headshots. Hey, this month we're starting something new at Headshots. It's our all-you-can-eat, nothing-but-meatball brunch. That's right. You can come to Headshots and load up on all your favorite sausage. Meatball. Right. Meatballs. It doesn't matter what kind of chicken you like. Meatball. What kind of meatball you like. We got it at the all-you-can-eat, nothing-but-typewriters Nothing but meatball buffet. You heard me right. No pasta. No cacciatore. No lasagna. Just delicious lasagna. Meatballs. Meatballs. However you like them. Traditional. Hot and spicy. Stuffed with cheese. Covered in marinara. My mouth is watering just thinking about eating all these cheerleaders. Holy shit. Eating all these meatballs myself. So what are you waiting for? Get on down to Headshots and see if you can eat more General Gauss chicken than me, Bobby Marone. That last one was supposed to be meatballs too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ron. Good morning. Hey, Carmen. How are you today? Doing good. And yourself? Great. Thank you. Carmen Ordonez joins us now. She's lifestyle and travel expert. She's booking.com. And we're talking about uh, the travel forecast for 2023. Uh, that's nice. Uh, people are traveling again, Carmen. There's no question about that. Absolutely. You know, I'm all about it. I am a big travel fanatic. So really excited to see people, you know, going out and traveling. And, you know, we just came off of a travel boom in 2022, and Americans are just very optimistic of the new year. Actually, 73% state that travel will always be worthwhile, and this is according to recent research from Booking.com. 
Yeah, um, it's it's we're free again to fly <laughs> to to go places. <laughs> yeah, as long as, as we're the, all taking advantage of that. Right, as long as the airlines cooperate. But other than that, we're good. <laughs> that, that should get better too. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite destinations? Yes, well, I have so many. I mean, it all depends. I absolutely love tropical, relaxing <laughs> destinations. Yeah. You know just to get away from everything. Um, you know, so I love the Bahamas, really close to Miami. So that's always yeah. uh, a spot that I love to visit. Um, and, you know, talking a little bit about trends, um, you know, this year, the Global Travel Leader found that wanting to return to simpler times is a trend that's also going to extend into travel with nine in 10 Americans wanting a nostalgic getaway. So think perhaps going somewhere that reminds you of your childhood or, you know, just disconnecting mm. from your device. So that's very exciting to hear those nostalgic, those nostalgic getaways. And then another really big trend that we're seeing this year, according to the survey, you know, U.S. travelers are seeking more daring mindful and work-free getaways you know i'm all about the mindful uh getaways i absolutely love going somewhere where you know as i said you know just relaxing so those are some of the biggest travel trends we're going to see this year wow uh, I know when I see uh, uh, television shows, I see people sitting on the beach with the uh, blue waters and uh, sipping on an alcoholic beverage, and uh, I think that's that's like everybody wants to be there at least for a little <laughs> while. And I've learned that there is a lot of places uh, that you don't even need a passport for, like like what you say uh, the the Bahamas. I, do you need a passport for the Bahamas? I believe you do need a passport, okay. but I, again, there's so many beautiful places as well mm. in the United States that are just so amazing to visit. Yeah. For example, Booking.com, they recently released their top trending destinations mm -hmm. across the globe, yeah. and some of those places include, for example, the American Southwest capital of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh. You have the ultimate beach vacation in Honolulu, Hawaii, yeah. and other top spots that also made the list. Is the rich history of Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. You know, you have the cityscape of New York City, New York, and the home of country music, Nashville, Tennessee. So lots of great options here in the U.S. where we can also travel. You don't need a passport yeah. <laughs> to travel with, with yeah. the U.S. And just many beautiful places to fulfill nice. those travel goals for this year. Yeah, I believe the U.S. Virgin Islands. I mean, uh, that's paradise. Uh, I know you don't need a passport there. but. But uh, hell, get a passport and go all over the world. What the hell, huh? Have a good time, <laughs> right? That all is right. the dream. Yeah. We can make a reality. <laughs> now let's talk about how to do that, uh, Carmen, uh, because there's a right way to do it, uh, a wrong way to do it, and a better way to do it, and a lesser better way of doing it. I mean, how do we do this? Yes. Well, I am all about looking for deals, you know, and I think a lot of travelers right now are looking for value. For example. When we talk about what travelers are prioritizing, you know, they're prioritizing the nostalgia getaways that mm -hmm. we talked about. Mm -hmm. And then according to the survey, 67% are also going to prioritize just unplugging from their jobs, no matter the destination over working remotely, which I think is great because that's what vacations are all about, right? Not right. having to check work emails, not having to worry about any of that. So, you know, U.S. travelers are really prioritizing um, unplugging and 64% of Americans 
are also going to prioritize value for any trip type. So you're going to see a lot of uh, travelers really taking in mind their itinerary, making sure it's financially savvy. So one thing that I like to do whenever I'm planning a trip is, you know, try to find deals. For example, right now, booking.com. Um, it has an amazing deal. It's their early 2023 deal, and it's starting at 15% off stays worldwide. And this is taking place from January 1st through um, March 31st, so you'll definitely want to take advantage of that. Wow, okay. So is, is it good to uh, book way ahead of time or last minute? Uh, how, how do you do on that? Not at all. I mean, right now is the perfect time to start looking into those trips. For example, my kids, they get out um, in March for spring break. So right. we're already starting to look for those places because you don't want it. Um, you know, you want to get the best deals. You want to take advantage of that. So I always say um, for international trips, if you can, you know, three months in advance, yeah. that is, you know, a really great time frame to do it. So you okay. are making sure you're getting the best deals and again, taking advantage of deals like the one from booking.com right now. It's really going to go a long way. Very, very nice. Spring break in March. That's, that's getting crazy. When I went to school, <laughs> like we were there every day. <laughs> wow. But this is good. You know, you can learn as much, a child can learn as much uh, uh, traveling and, and visiting places as they can in a classroom. I mean, that's my opinion. Absolutely. You know, I totally agree. You know, I have been traveling with my son internationally ever mm. since he's been four. I mean, he's gone to Italy, go. to Iceland, you know, all over the world at such a young age. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, don't travel with them so young. You know, they're not going to remember. But as the parent, I mean, you remember, you have those beautiful memories. Sure. And I remember when I went, when I went with my son to Italy, you know, we went to the museums and he was listening, you know, to the audio guide and yeah. he learned so much and he still remembers that trip. So definitely a really great way to, you know, just educate, educate your child and have them learn about different cultures. Yeah. And also you're cultivating a family memories, uh, which is also very, very important. Yeah. Yep. That's what it's all about. I always say at the end of the day, all we have is our memories. Yep. So that's one of the reasons I am you know, so passionate about traveling because it's a time where you're just disconnecting and just spending yep. time with family and you're making those memories, which is priceless. They are the special times. Uh, Carmen, uh, <laughs> where, do, where do we go for more information? I think I have an idea, but you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely for more information you can head on over to booking.com and you know start you know planning those trips and, and making those memories with your loved ones wonderful carmen it's been fun talking to you thank you so much for your time today well that'll do it for me today i'll be back again on monday with a brand new program but until then enjoy your weekend and i wish you peace peace